honey, it's beautiful. Let's give him a good Bendale welcome to this pulpit this morning. God bless you, Brother McCool. Love you, Brother. Preach to us. Say shout to the Lord. And y'all couldn't even hear me. Praise God. Somebody shout to the Lord. How about that? Praise God. Glory to the Lamb of God. Clap your hands, all your people. Mm. Come on, I know there's, there's something special waiting on somebody here today. Hallelujah. I know it's almost protocol. You got up, you came to church, but you didn't realize God was directing your steps into this sanctuary, and God already had a plan that with your name on it to pour out blessing and strength and healing today. And somebody said, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Amen. The writer of Psalms understood that, that there's just something that wells up within the heart of man who knows his creator, who knows the ability of a God who, who is able to do all things well. Amen. He could not withhold himself from allowing that to spring up out of his spirit like a geyser. Amen. Like Yellowstone. I'm, I'm just here to tell somebody, don't hold back praise that can bring the promise and the healing into your life. Praise God. There ought to be a shout every time we come to church. There ought to be a shout every time you go in and out of your house that says, thank you, Lord, for all your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for everything you do for me. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to cry. But I'm just going to give glory for everything you do. And I want to tell everybody about everything. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Enjoyed that song that they were singing. Amen. As we, uh, prior to us getting up here to this pulpit, and I began to watch across this congregation, and I'm not going to throw stones at anybody because if I did, I'd have to throw one at myself. Amen. The Bible said a child shall lead them. And I was watching this young man right here, and he just got out here, and he was doing his thing. He was down here with us. I, I assume that's his little brother. Is that right? Amen. He was just out here getting with the program. Amen. It's kind of like a kid out in the backyard. He, you give him a ball and a glove or Amen. Whatever. He don't, he don't need you to help him. He don't need you to coach him. You just, you just watch him, and he's going to get in his own world. Is that all right? It's a beautiful thing about kids. They're going to get wrapped up in their world, what they're thinking at that moment. And I believe when the Lord said a child shall lead them, that means that child's focused on one thing. I'm just here to praise God. I'm just here to love the Lord. God, help us to be converted and be like little children. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. So good to be with you, and I don't want to keep you standing. And uh, <clears throat> I hope I'm not going to be standing long either. I noticed Brother Moore was wanting to get me up here and uh, give me plenty of time. And I, I told Brother Troy, I said, well, he's kind of insinuating I'm going to be long-winded this morning. <laughs> And I give honor to my friend, your wonderful pastor. Love and appreciate Brother Moore. Amen. And I'm so thankful for him, thankful for the anointing on his life. And 
thankful for his leadership in this church, and uh, I know that you are too. Praise God. And it's, you know, it's, it's a good thing to know that he's not just family to many of you, but, but he's a pastor that loves you and cares about you. Amen. And uh, sometimes, you know, folks, they, they, grown folks are going to do what grown folks are big enough to do. Is that right? And uh, when people get cold in the Lord and might backslide and get away from the Lord, uh, a lot of times people say, well, I don't want to go back because, man, i got to face all that. And, man, the pastor, he's kin and all that. You know, you ought to thank God that he is. You'll find out family's a lot more forgiving than you realize. Y'all going to make me change my message. <sighs> Y'all know how I am now. But anyway, you need, you need to be thankful that it's family. I understand sometimes family can be almost the most critical, but they can be the most forgiving. Because some people have cut you off. <laughs> well, it's quiet in here. Maybe, maybe we can make you happy here in a little bit. If you have your Bible, turn me to Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> Hebrews 12. Now, brother, I think I wrote that down wrong in the back. I think I did. I think I put Hebrews 11, but it is Hebrews 12. Oh, I did okay? Good. <clears throat> the older I get... They say, you better, you better make a list. You better write it down. That don't help me. <laughs> that does not help me at all. Amen. Sometimes it's here and sometimes it's there. <laughs> Somewhere. But it's an honor to be with you. And it's good to have my wife with me today. And and uh, called Brother Moore yesterday. I just had him on my mind. And, of course, I had an opening. And, and I said, let me give him a call. And I just feel like we're in the will of God today. Amen. I'm, I'm past trying to figure it all out. <laughs> I'm just past it. I just, if God opens the door, let's do it. Amen. And so we're here. And you got to put up with me. Amen. So I'm going to try to get you out of here. It's about 1055 according to my phone and 1055 according to the screen in the back. I don't know. Maybe y'all should put 1055 up here and everybody can, everybody can watch the clock. Amen. Hebrews 12, let's take a look at verse 1. I'll also be reading from Genesis chapter 1. It'll be easy to find. <clears throat> I hope I can be a blessing to you today in whatever small way I can. And um, I just, y'all know I like to preach a lot about faith. But in the essence of striving to preach about faith sometimes in the midst of it we forget to preach about the one whom we have faith in we talk about faith and we get into the mechanics of it but we forget to focus our attention on on the one who is the reason for it all and so if I can just help you today that you're not in this battle alone in this battle of faith Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily 
beset us. And let us, you notice how the writer is so inclusive. I know a lot of preachers, they want to preach to everybody else, but they don't want to preach to themselves. They say you and they, but they don't ever want to say us and me. But I'm going to tell you something. I've, I've, I've learned you're not preaching if you're not preaching to yourself. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I want you to read verse 2 with me. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the beginning. He is the one that initiates and ushers in the launching pad for faith. And so in this journey of faith, everything that we have if you will, put all of our eggs into one basket and committed ourselves to. We're going to find that faith will never fail as long as it's in Him. And when we come to that final crossing over the Jordan, you're going to find that your faith was worth holding on to. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Verse 3, everybody read. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. I'm just simply going to stop where it said, and God said, and God said. Praise God. I'm going to talk to you a little bit tonight by the help of today, rather by the help of the Lord. Let the author speak. Let the author speak. Let him. Let him. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost coming on me right now. You need to let God speak. You can close your ears to the voice of hope, faith, healing, strength, power, overcoming, if you want to. But I've never seen a day and hour to which we really need to hear the voice of God. Let the author speak. Praise God. Put your Bible down. Let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time. Righteous God, we thank you for the word that endures forever and ever. And I pray today you would enable us to minister the word of the Lord. God, take control and help our feeble faith and our, Lord, weak and weakness of flesh. And I pray today you would speak through us and help us to be a blessing to your people today. I pray that you would overshadow this pastor, this great church family to whom we love, and I know that you love as well. 
And I pray that you and Lord let that anointing settle down upon us today that will destroy the yoke and lift the burden for those that have walked into this building. Lord, faithful but yet struggling. And we thank you for all you're going to do today. We give you praise for it. We honor you and we give you glory. Clap your hands and bless him and praise him right now. Come on, thank him right now with all your might. Can you do that right now? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I feel the Lord here. Praise the name of Jesus. Glory to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. God bless you. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. It is in this writings of Hebrews chapter 11 that we discover a lot of good things. And as Brother Moore was talking about learning from the Word of God and digging into the Word of God and learning new things, that's one of the beautiful things about the Word of God is that when we love the Word like we do and we give ourselves to the Word of God, it's it's, it's amazing to me that, that you always discover something new and you find something fresh. And uh, that, I believe, is the way that the Lord meant it to be because even when he fed Israel uh, in days of old and their journeys out of Egypt into their Canaan, that the Lord rained down manna every morning and they were to gather it up and they were to uh, partake of it that day. They couldn't save it for tomorrow, but Rather, they had to eat it right then. And that is indicative of how fresh the Word of God is to every one of us. That when we are hungry, God is always ready to feed us because He does have the table spread where the saints of God are fed. And He calls to the hungry, come and dine. And knowing that God has the table spread this morning, I want us to understand that God needs us to encounter once again that freshness that comes from the Word of God. The Word that is able to enlighten our mind. The Word that is able to strengthen us in our weekdays. It is the Word that brings hope and hopeless nights and gives light to us in the darkest of moments. And so it is the importance of the Word of God because it gives us direction. It gives us peace. It gives us hope. It gives us everything Peter said that pertains unto life and godliness. There is absolutely nothing like the Word of Almighty God. And somebody say amen. And so the writer begins to write here, and it is on the heels of Hebrews chapter 11 that the writer not only takes the time to, uh, to describe faith and to uh, define it in our understanding so that we are able to get a hold of the Word of God and get a hold upon what faith really is. Uh, faith is not name it and claim it, uh, but faith is that resolute determination uh, that God said it and I believe it uh, and I am going to hold 
hold on to his word no matter how bad life may get. I'm going to hold on in confidence that the God I serve never fails me. He never allows me to get into a place that he cannot reach to where I am and help me. Amen. I love what Isaiah said that his arm is not too short that it cannot save nor is ear too heavy that it cannot hear. I don't know about you but I'm glad when I reach up God is reaching down that when I pray I can lend my ear and there is a voice that can come from on high that can remind me I am with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you but I'll be with you always even to the end of the world. It's a beautiful thing. He defines to us what faith is else how would we know how to live for God? Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He is giving us the definition of what faith is. It is substance of things hoped for. It's like the water in this bottle. It, uh, though clear and sometimes hard uh, to discern that the bottle does have a liquid, it is that understanding that it is substance uh, that I can touch, I can feel, uh, I can experience. Are you listening to me? Uh, it is the substance of things hoped for. Uh, I I know that it's there and I want to take a drink so I'll just pick it up and know and hope are you listening to me that I can take what's on the inside the contents of the bottle and I can participate in what it can bring into my life are you listening now and so not only is it substance but it is the evidence of things not seen that's the beautiful thing it takes us out of the natural uh, and puts us into the spiritual. Uh, it is the evidence uh, of things uh, not seen. Uh, I can't see God, but I know what he's given me here. Uh, amen is evidence uh, that God has created everything. Uh, I can look around at the green grass uh, and the pine trees of South Mississippi, uh, but I can know they didn't get there by themselves. Uh, there was something that took place. Amen. That reminds me that the God that made it, the God that created it, is the God that is in control of everything in my life. And so in chapter 12, he picks up on the journey and the fight of this pilgrimage of faith that we are surrounded by trial and hardship discouragement and struggle and he reminds us that we are also surrounded with not just the trial and not just the problem but we are also surrounded with a great cloud of witnesses to remind us that you and I are not alone that we can make it no matter how bad it may seem it's in this story that he really gives us an understanding that God is not just some unseen power and that's the way some people in the world are they just say well I believe in an unseen power somewhere but I don't know who he is I don't know what it is 
but I do know this the writer of Hebrews a man tunes a sin in the microscope of faith and brings to our understanding about a God a man that is with us from sun up until sundown a man 24 hours a day 365 days a year and he is simply saying the God that I'm talking to you about is not a God that you can't experience he's not a God that you can't touch but he's a God that no matter where you are he's there watching he's there with you and he's got a whole cloud of witnesses that when you're struggling in your faith hey man we can look to them and say if they made it I can make it too if they believe I can believe it too somebody shout amen wherefore seeing we are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every wheat let us lay aside the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run. My focal point is this, is simply laying down the sin, laying down the past, doing as the Apostle Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. I am going forward. I am running with patience the race that is set before us. My eyes are set upon the goal for I'm looking unto Jesus. But it did not stop there. It said the author and the finisher of our faith. Somebody say amen. He is the author of our faith. He is not only the author of eternal redemption. He is the author of your faith. Are you hearing me? Of your faith. Your faith began in him. Your faith is kept by him. Your faith will end in him. Are you listening? It's more than just saying, well, I come to church. No, I'm telling you that he is the author of the reason why you and I are even here today. He is the reason why I live like I live and I endure what I endure and I don't go out like the world and do the things of the world because he is the author and the finisher of my faith that's why I look to him that's why I got my eyes on him because he showed me by his example that if he can purchase it I can live it if he can show me the way I can follow I'm talking about the author and the finisher of your faith today. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Who for the joy, <laughs> that's the church that was set before him and endured the cross, despising the shame. And is set down. Everybody said he's set down. You see, everything he endured, everything that led him to the cross, everything that he went through on the cross, 
amen, was to complete the work of deliverance and salvation for us all. But then when he got done, the Bible said he sat down. Are you listening to me? When the teacher sat down, that meant the lesson was finished. When the teacher sat down, that let us know, amen, that the work was done. You get through out there working hard in the hot sun like it's been around here, amen, you're looking forward to taking a break, and what do you do? I'm going to go sit down. Amen. You ain't hearing me. I'm telling you that the work was so vast and so deep that the only reminder in scripture you find where God ever got tired was right here when he sat down because the work was finished today. Hallelujah. <laughs> stay with me. I, I'm going to get you somewhere. I don't want to bore you with a Bible lesson, but uh, stay with me. Is that all right? And the Bible tells us here that he sat down at the right hand of the throne. It is in this, he has dominion and authority and power. And so when he begins to tell us in these verses to focus upon the one who is writing our eternal story, it is the one who has taken pen in hand. Listen to me. We are looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. It describes him here as an author, one who is ready with pen in hand, who not only writes the story of our life, but he gives us an example to show us how to live it and to be successful in him. He is truly the author and the finisher of our faith. He did it all, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus did it all. And Mark said he did all things well. He reminds us that I'm going to set the standard because I am the author. Amen. It's like reading a book and you don't know the author, but it seemed like the more you read the book you can almost get into the mind of the author are you listening to me and you start seeing pictures of what the author is like and that's what God has done for every one of us when we start looking into this we start looking into the word we start believing the word God has a way of showing us pictures of himself amen and showing us pictures of what we are in him. Amen. That we can walk worthy of him. We can hear him say well done. We can overcome Satan and sin. We can overcome in this life. Why? Because he is the author and the finisher of our John said if all the things, if books could be written about all the things, amen, that Jesus did, he said, I suppose the whole world couldn't contain them. You think about that. Hallelujah. Google data nerds have gone to work building a method to determine how many unique books exist in our world. Turns out, after much figuring, the count comes up to just shy of 130 million. The problem is, they're not putting Jesus into the equation. Is everybody all right? Do we need to go get a cup of coffee?
I know we're drinking water up here. Can we get a cup of coffee up here? My God, maybe I'm running slow today. The novelist may write fiction. He, he can speak of things past, present, and future and it not be true. The historian can give facts, places, and events. Listen to me. Yet, we have found that as years pass, more evidence is revealed that we find historians have to correct some things. Hello, somebody. <laughs> they got to get some things right. <laughs> and although written over the expanse of 6,000 years, this word is just as timeless. Mm. It's true. It's relevant. I couldn't, man, your pastor got up here and he just got all over my sermon today. I started just bring my notes up here. Let him preach it. My God. Listen, your King James Bible is made up of 66 books. You got 31,102 verses, 1,189 chapters penned by traditionally 35 authors who wrote under the inspiration of God. And God was so committed to the revelation of his word that, amen, to, for man to even be inscribed with it. Listen, he, when he gave the Ten Commandments, he thought it was so important that he would inscribe them in stone with his own finger. In stone. So it would be lasting. So it would be constant. That's what God did for us. Are you with me? And he gives them to Moses on Mount Sinai. And even when Moses in his wrath destroyed him, God gave him a second set. Talking about mercy. I ain't got time to preach on all that. Mm. But the writer of the book of Hebrews reminds us that in this great walk of faith, he is the author. He is the finisher of our faith. But it's when you look into the book of beginnings that all of a sudden God begins to give us some understanding. He begins to take us back. In fact, your all Bible doctrine has its roots in the book of Genesis. Somebody say amen. You will find every Bible doctrine there. You go and study it. I'm here to tell you, you will find it. Somebody say amen. And it's in this book of beginnings that we find the author and the finisher revealing that he is more than a scribe with a pen in hand. Stay with me. I, I want to get where I'm going today. He is the author who is not only causing it to be written down. Are you listening to me? Uh, he set the standard by even writing it with his own hand uh, when he gives the Ten Commandments. But he does more than just help us understand that he is the author but he is an author with a voice he is one that has something to say about what he has written he is one that wants to be heard in his creation so I want to submit to you today that all of creation and what we know and understand did not come 
by the inscription of a pen but it came when God spoke the world into existence and the Bible tells us when it was without form and void the word there is chaos it is there when it is in such a state a man of upheaval and turmoil that God does not shrink back from the challenge but he simply comes forth in the beginning God he created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void darkness on the face of the deep but I'm glad he didn't leave it like he found it the Bible said the spirit of God moved and God said and when God spoke he took what was out of order and brought divine order when God spoke he brought everything that was dark and put it in the light for us to see he is the author and the finisher you can be seated but he is an author with a voice who speaks and God said let there be light and there was light it is a beautiful thing that God begins to speak and things begin to happen. It helps us understand that in spite of what is going on around us, that God is never to be compared to those things. He just simply says, let me speak and let me show you what I can do. I think sometimes this is our problem. It's that we are looking at God in His infinite power, His omnipotence and His omniscience, that we look at that, but yet we look at it from too far away. That God's big when we come to church, but He seems to shrink in light of my problems at home. He's great when we're at the house of God, a prayer meeting prior to church or the altar service after a red-hot sermon from your pastor, but yet we find that God is so out of reach when we are facing cancer, when we're facing problems, and our bodies are racked with covid I'm here to tell you, God never ceases to be God. That's why God just doesn't have things written in his word. But I'm glad God has a voice, phone that is able to speak into the heart. Pentecost ever comes back to the place where they they hunger for the voice of God. I'm not talking about spookism and spiritualism. I'm talking about getting back to the place where we hunger to hear the voice of God to find his direction. We remember the stories of elders that's gone by and they would say the Lord would speak and say get up and go and 
story of one particular preacher that the Lord spoke to over in Louisiana and, and told him to go to a certain crossroads, and he sat there, and when he, when he got there, somebody drove by and stopped the car and said, Are you the preacher? And the guy said, Yes, I'm the preacher. He said, Get in the car. We're going to go. Had no idea why. Just the Lord said, Go. God would speak and do phenomenal things. People would hear his voice and be obedient, and great revival would come out of it. But I preach to a generation of people here that there are many of you, you remember those days, but I'm preaching to young people here that they just don't want to hear the stories. They want to experience it for themselves. And I'm going to go ahead and serve notice and finish my sermon that it, that it takes more than just coming to church and sitting on a pew. Dressing right, not cutting your hair. Man, keeping a good, clean haircut. Is that all right? It's more than all of that. It's called a relationship that comes through prayer. Being in that place where the Word speaks to you. And when the Word is spoken to you, that there is an affirmation in your spirit where God opens His voice to you. And he speaks to you. That's why so many of us miss what God is doing when we're at Walmart. And God's saying, go and witness to that person and go and do this. I know I've probably driven my wife crazy at times. And I've been in a store and I've felt and led to go talk to somebody or or pass by somebody on the highway and the Lord said, go over there and talk to them. In fact, uh, Brother Andy Kelly, who is president of Section 9, his family was broke down on the side of the road. That's when I was assisting Brother McVeigh there in Wiggins. And uh, and while we were, I was just driving down the road and uh, I passed these people up and they were, out, they were all piled around a truck and some were sitting on the tailgate. And, uh, and I got on down there and just as I passed them, the Lord spoke and said, you need to turn around and go back and help your brother and sister. And I'm just a new convert. And I'm saying, I don't know those people. The Lord said, just go do what I said. When I turned around and went back, they'd been out of church for quite some time. And just one person obeying the voice of God and stop. I don't know why I got off on this. It's not my notes. But hearing the voice of God and just going and doing what God said got them back in church. And here's a man with a ministry serving as a district official that wouldn't be there today if I'd have been hard-headed and obstinate and stubborn and self-willed and wrapped up in my schedule. Are you listening to me? Nobody's trying to pin bouquets here. I'm simply using it as an illustration to help us understand we can miss so much. And I'm going to challenge you in the Spirit today, what good is our holiness if we are not led by the Spirit? Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, man, he, he done gone wild preaching to you now. God wants to be heard. He wants us to listen. 
He speaks into nothing and creates everything. And I'm here to tell you that you've got more with, for God to start with and work with now, even with your problem, than he had in the beginning in creation if you'll just let him speak into your situation. I want you to think about that. He started with nothing, but he's got a whole lot more to start with with you and I here today if we'll let him speak. Everybody say, let God speak. It is his voice that reverberates. I, I love the way scientists want to talk about, um, and I, I'm chasing rabbits right now, but you stay with me. I love it. These scientists, they get off and they, you know, we, we've evolved. And, uh, you know, we, we have these certain stages of dinosaurs, and that's cool. I, I don't have anything against that. I believe in I believe there were dinosaurs. You can believe what you want, all right, but I believe where they were here. But that's where they stop, and that's where they get tripped up because they can't seem to find the line here where man is and monkeys are. Hello? Because my my forebears didn't crawl out of the slime of the ocean, and neither did yours. Hello? Help me. That's right. Help me today. And it is that reverberating voice of God that what they take for evolution, God said, no, it's always been. You're not listening to me. You you just stick with what your pastor teaches, all right? But I'm here to tell you, it is the reverberating voice of God that keeps us progenerating in this life. Kids. Grandkids, great-grandkids, generations of trees. Are you listening to me? Plants. Are you listening to me? And within that, the capability for them to be able to graft and uh, cause other things to grow out of the one. Are you listening to me? I'm, I'm talking about the myriad of God's power and his foreknowledge of all things, not just things concerning uh, you and I today. And it all comes because uh, he speaks his voice to us. He speaks and it is. It's one of my things I love. I love to study science. I love all that, especially when it comes to stars and constellations. I like to read up on that stuff and and, and sit and listen. And I'm thinking the whole time, they're over here doing like I am chasing rabbits. They're, They're off on a tangent somewhere. And I'm thinking, oh, if you could just come back to the very root of all this and get back on track, you would discover that he's not a fictional storybook character, but he's the Lord of glory. Smoke it all into existence. Oh, God. Praise God. Praise God. God speaks. He is an author with a voice. You'll find a half a dozen times in the first page of your Bible here that no fewer than nine times in the very first chapter of the book of Genesis that God said, God said he speaks and it is the Bible said he spoke again and said it's good he speaks yet again and reaches into the dirt and clay and creates us (laughs) and says it's very good it's the pronouncement of the voice of God 
I'm here to tell you I need more than just the writ. But I'm telling you, there's got to be a voice from heaven that speaks, that directs your heart. Say, well, the word's God's final authority. Oh, yes, it is. And I believe that with all my heart. But I'm here to tell you that if this is the only measure of you getting God's voice, then it could be we are all very shallow indeed. Because it is the voice of God that speaks to us that can give specific direction and, sp and meet specific needs and bring specific miracles into your life and in mine. You see, it makes a difference when the author begins to speak. It's not enough for the author to give, to simply give man a book of stories and words. But he wants there to be a deeper intimacy between he and his creation. So God, who has only been known primarily by his word, draws near to his creation. And when God becomes man, draws close enough for us to hear his voice. When you look in the Old Testament, it's almost though Israel in their, in their backslidings. All of a sudden, the voice of God becomes so faint. And no matter how many prophets he sends, they kill the prophets and silence the voice. Is anybody hearing me today? And so God becomes a man and he steps in to where in proximity of creation he can speak and we can hear. That's how intimate God wants to be with all of us today. To draw near to us and help us understand that there is a plainness and a clarity that my people need to hear. And when I begin to speak into their life, it's then that things begin to happen. We could go through the Old Testament. We could talk about the times that God spoke. His voice was heard upon the mountain with Moses. He spoke and it was heard through the voice of the judges and the prophets of old. But here in Matthew 8, he doesn't need angels to speak to the parents of John the Baptist, to Mary or to Joseph. But he simply comes to reveal himself. In the 8th chapter of Matthew, it said, When Jesus entered to Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. He said, when God speaks, something is going to happen. Now, I'm going to say that again. When God speaks, something is going to happen. Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. It is almost as though he hears the word. I will come. I will heal him. I, I don't know how many footsteps. I don't know how many yards were traversed. I don't know how many miles maybe took place. But somewhere in the journey, the light goes on in a centurion's mind. And he finally stops the whole procession and said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come. 
under my roof but I'll tell you what I think I've got a revelation here because I'm a man in authority and I say to this man go and he goes I say to another come and he comes so I think I've got an understanding here what I need is the author to simply speak and I know it will be Bible says here, Jesus marveled. <laughs> In our modern day vernacular, it means we, his mind was blown. I don't want to cheapen his holiness nor his deity. But I will say this. You want to blow God's mind? Why don't you let God speak and you just simply believe? Listen to me. You come up here to be prayed for, for God to heal. You come up and you ask pastor and the men and the ladies of this church to come up and pray with you over a job situation. Let me ask you something. What good is it for you just to go through the motions of church and prayer lines and not hear his voice and furthermore not believe? What good is it if we come to the house of God going through our Pentecostal calisthenics and the motions, amen, of our mundane services. And all of a sudden, we just, we leave empty. We leave uninspired. We leave unmoved. We leave unchallenged. That is the case of a church who has simply drifted away that they no longer hear the voice of the author. Great faith is merely taking what faith you and I have and believing it when the author speaks. For it's in this text that Jesus says, I have not seen such great faith. No, not in all of Israel. You know what great faith is? You know, I, I've heard this for a long time even in sales. You know who the big shots are? You know, we talk about big shots. We, we talk about in the ministry, oh, that guy's a big shot. You know who big shots are? I'm going to tell you what big shots are. I'm going to relieve every young preacher about who a big shot is. Let me tell you who the big shots are. Big shots are nothing more than little shots that keep on shooting. They keep on trying. They keep on praying. They keep on believing. They keep on listening for the voice of God. Great faith is simply taking what faith you have and believing what the author speaks. Sometimes you feel like you don't have much faith, do you? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm just asking a question. We've all been there. We've all been there. And we've read that scripture where Jesus said, except you have faith as a, everybody said, grain of mustard seed. And some of us are crying because, my God, I don't even have that kind of faith. Move mountains with a little grain of faith? 
Where does that leave me, God? Oh, tag. Just turn around and look at your neighbor and say, tag, you're it. Because we've been there. No, it's not God saying, you ain't even got that kind of faith. It's God saying, it just doesn't take much faith for me to do great things. If you will believe me and let me speak. I've probably used this illustration before. Anybody know what a pepper mill is? Put that pepper in a mill and you grind it, put it on your salad. Right? That whole peppercorn, pretty, pretty good size. But when you start getting it crushed down and that little pepper mill is grinding it down, what falls out is what? It is the grain of the pepper. Correct? And I'm here to tell you the grain of faith I believe truly that the Lord's talking about is faith that's been in the grinder. Faith is so worn thin that you feel like you can't go on any longer. And the Lord's saying, no, you're focusing too much on you and not focusing on the author. Because the author has something to say. He just doesn't want to put pen to the parchment and write the story of your life. He wants this thing to become so personal that he speaks and you see it happening. Is everybody with me today? Everybody stand. I'm going to get you out of here. How about that? It's 11.41 for all the clock watchers besides me. Mark 1 talks about a leper. He simply says, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. In our modern day language, it would be, Lord, if you will, I know you can. But I love the response to a man who seeks to go beyond what he learned at Sabbath school in his Judaistic classes. And he simply puts the opportunity in front of God. And the Bible said in verse 41, Jesus was moved with compassion and put forth his hand and touched him. You see, it's more than the touch, but it's the voice. Because he touched him and said, I will be thou clean. Can you imagine today? Here's a leper walking along. The rule of Leviticus says he's to cry out unclean. And those clean people are supposed to get off on the side of the road and yield and give way to those that are lepers to shuffle on by. There was a reason for that. God not only wanted to remind them of who they are themselves and what could be them and to be merciful and compassionate, that they would walk on by. But Jesus never gave way. He kept walking toward that leopard, Brother Troy. He kept walking to him. Can you imagine the consternation that comes on that leper? What in the world is this guy doing? He needs to get out of the way. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. He needs to move over. 
And when he finally gets audience with God, he said, Lord, if you'll heal me. If you will, I know you can. And I believe Jesus just simply reaches over and touches the man. I will. Be thou clean. You see, it's more than the touch. It's more than just feeling goosebumps on goosebumps. It's more than us just going through the motions. And I'm going to go a little deeper than that. It's more than you just getting your chapters in every week. That's our problem. We're crunching numbers. We're trying to see how many chapters we can read, how many hours of prayer we can pray. We're crunching numbers instead of forgetting about the time and letting God speak. Am I making sense? Because I'm here to tell you, we can, we can lip labor for hours on end and never accomplish anything in prayer. We can read the Bible through three and four times a year, but never really have the revelation of the Master. Because it's more than a text, and it's more than the academics of it. It is the relationship that comes when we let the author speak. And I am addressing a problem that is in Pentecost worldwide, especially here in America. That we have our programs, we have all of our plans, we make all the arrangements, and surely man, he, he deviseth means, but the Bible still says the Lord directs his steps. Our problem with some of our mechanics is we make plans and we hope God gets in it. But I find where one writer said, we need to say, if the Lord will. I believe God needs time that you didn't arrange on your schedule. He wants solitary moments where he can speak and once again revive the intimacy and that closeness with God that some of you used to have. And God says, I just need you to let me speak. And all these things that are a problem, and all these things that seem to be large and looming across your pathway today. He said, if you'll just get back where you need to be and let me speak, I can remind you and I can show you what I can do. I don't know about you, but I, I want the Lord to do more in my life than ever before. I want God to speak and I want to hear his voice. I want God to move when I initiate those divine opportunities in my life where he can 
break the laws such as here of leprosy. Not only touch people, but speak. And that's the reason why some of you are here today. It's because there was a time you let God speak in your life. And you heard his voice. Did not the scripture say, my sheep hear my voice. And another they will not follow. I want us to lift our hands all over this building today. And I, I just believe the Lord laid this on my heart today. I've got so much more to preach here. I, I hadn't even had time to go into the king's word, but I'm here to tell you the king is speaking today. For us to come back to that place where spending time with him is the mandate. It is the priority. That we allow God to move in our life and change our schedules and that he once again becomes first in our life, that the author speaks into our life and, uh, and we get involved in the story that he's writing, that, that we put action to the faith that he says is dead without it. Uh, can I talk to somebody right now that, that God's already spoken in your life? Uh, you're kicking against the pricks uh, of the will and the purpose of God in your life uh, and what God needs you to do is get your hands off the situation and get your mind back on God and let the author speak in your family and let him put your situation in alignment with his will again let the author speak today come on lift your hands all over this building let's talk to the Lord right now Oh, God, speak to us today. Open our ears to hear your voice, oh God. To know your will. To know your direction, God. To do more than just go through the, the academics of your word. But let your word be alive to us today. Let your voice fall upon our heating ears, oh God. Where the miraculous can take place. Where faith can be revived afresh. That we walk out of a service like this and we can say, I know I heard from the Lord. It was more than what the preacher preached. It was more than what the teacher taught. But it was the voice from on high. It says, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Come on right now. Let's thank the Lord for his word. Thank him for his voice today. Come on, let's give that unto the Lord today. Oh, thank God for his voice. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Brother McClue, for the word today. 
Have you ever read a book? Just a regular book. Maybe the first time you read it, you didn't know anything about the author or anything about the purpose of that book or what may have caused that book to have been written. But then later, you begin to hear this and you hear the story and the things behind it. And you become familiar with the author and the purpose of the book. And you read it again. And the second time, it sends a different message and has a different impact upon your life. Why? Because you begin to you the author. It's about the author. The book's about the author revealing himself unto us. I will know the author. He preached it to us this morning. There's many forever learning but never come to the knowledge of truth. Uh-huh. You've got it to know truth. You've got to know the author. They can quote the scriptures. They can quote the whole Bible and don't even know God. Don't even know him. I want to know him. Thank God for a voice. The voice. Amen. We're living in a world that's full of voices. But I'm glad we, we can know this voice. Thank you, Brother McCool. You preached to us today. Stir something in us to know the author. To know the voice. Have an ear to hear what the Spirit has to say. Appreciate you. Appreciate all of you. Be back tonight. 5.30 prayer time. 6 o'clock service time. Any choir practice? Any choir practice? Amen. 4.30. All the praise singers. I call it choir practice. Praise singers, you know. So God bless you. Appreciate you this morning. What a beautiful, beautiful atmosphere. Power and presence of God. There's really no telling. Take to heart. Let me make mention of this. Please, this afternoon, make mention some that's not here. God would touch them this afternoon. This virus business is really has, has had its toll here, hitting several. So let's pray for them. Ask God to be with them. See you tonight. God bless you. Love and appreciate you.